witty banter, witty banter, witty banter. Hey, show starts. <laughs> Welcome to Weekday Clip Notes. Hey, fucking hell, she got it right. On the first try. On the first try. <laughs> Yay. I'm Kevin. I'm Stephanie. How's everybody doing? Do you have anything to talk about? Yeah, what do you think I was working on before we came out here? I don't know. I looked up, up, up all the books that I've been wanting just to double check the release date. Okay. And um, the one we were talking about last week, it said the release date was February 9th, but now it's saying that the release date has yet to be released. A pushback, I'm guessing? I I guess so. It says the title has not been released. Um, I mean, the publish the publisher says it's February 9th, 2021, mm-hmm. but Amazon's not saying when it's being released. Well, I, would, I mean, I would go by the publisher. I tweeted her last week, and she tweeted back. I'll tweet her again. We're pretty much best friends now, so I'll tweet her <laughs> back and ask her. And be like, hey, listen, uh, tell us when it's getting released so my wife knows when. I mean, do you have it on pre-order or anything? No. No? Well, I mean, you can just pre-order it, and then whatever it comes, <clears throat> whenever, you know, is ready, it's it's ready. Yeah, because I, I really want to get it. It's that Pied Piper, Children yeah, of yeah, Chicago I, I know, I know. by Cynthia. Uh, so when, yeah, when we're, I'll, I'll yeah, we can shoot her uh, a question and, and see if she answers us, and we can get it out. That way everybody else can, can find out. Yep. And so then, if, if you follow our Twitter and she tweets us back, then, then you'll know. Yes. Yeah. And then The Desolation of Devil's Acre by Ransom Brig, the sixth book of the Miss Peregrine series, comes out February 23rd. I was hoping it was sooner because I'm ready for it. Patience is a virtue. Yes. And then book five of five of the A Court of Thorns and Roses series, the A Court of Silver Flames uh, by Sarah J. Moss. That is going to be released February 16th, so that's a little bit closer. So, I mean, I've been waiting for fucking years, so I guess I can wait a couple more weeks. But whatever. You and everybody else. You've all had to wait the same amount of time. And then uh, book three of the Betwixt and Between series by Dorinda Jones, the lovely and wonderful author, my favorite lady, uh, comes out... February 15th, the day before the Sarah J. Moss book. Yeah. So I'll have that read when that comes in. And then. It's my mom's birthday. Aww. Day after Valentine's Day is my mom's birthday. I th- uh, the 13th is one of my friends' birthday, and the 15th is one of my friends' birthday, but I forget which one it is because they both celebrate it like together. Like Sue or Maya. My, my mother's or, birthday I mean, is that day, and my triplet nephew's birthdays are that day. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then, last but not least, is um, The Chain of Iron, The Last Hours, book two, by Cassandra Clare, which doesn't come out until March 2nd. So, Whatever <sighs> will you do with your time? Probably read the hundreds of books that I have on my to-be-read pile. Now that or watch the Game Show Network. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> Ooh, the chase is on. Gotta watch the chase. Masterminds and crossword puzzles and chain reactions coming back towards the end of the month. So, uh-huh. 
God, my schedule's so busy. <laughs> Just, I mean, Hell's, Kitch- Hell's Kitchen is back. Yeah, that and too. Impractical back. Jokers starts back up this week. And what the fuck are we going to do? Thank God there's no new season of the Great Br- British Baking Show or we would be just fucked. We would have no time for anything. People would be like, "Where, where, where's the podcast? And we'd be like, we've been busy. I've got the biscuits. <laughs> Staring at Paul Hollywood's bright blue eyes. As he terrifies all the people under the tent. I know. God, that stare. Fuck. Give a motherfucker a handshake every once in a while. People deserve them. All right? You hand them out like they're fucking... Like, you only have so many to give away. And he's scarier than Gordon Ramsay. I don't know if I'd say he's scarier than Gordon Ramsay. Because he's real... Because when somebody does a good job, he can be really, really sweet to them. And if you see somebody's having a hard time, he he can be nice. Gordon Ramsay, half the time, doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, I know. But just that stare freaks people out and gives them anxiety and just... Like, Hell's Kitchen, that one girl that keeps fucking crying all the time. He would be up there giving her a hug, telling her it'll be all right not to worry. Gordon Ramsay's like, don't fucking cry. Don't fucking cry. Don't fucking cry. So, no, I would. Paul Hollywood is much, much nicer and a lot less scarier than Gordon Ramsay. I'm sorry. Yeah, but that stare would make her cry anyway. Yeah, but then he'd feel bad about it. Gordon Ramsay doesn't. Yeah, true. But still. If you're going to cry, you go into the walk-in. Everybody knows you go to the walk-in or to a storage closet to cry. Or in the freezer like they do on the Great... It's the walk-in. No. Oh, on the, on the Great... Okay, <laughs> yeah. yes. You go somewhere else to cry. You don't, the, do, it, you don't in, do it in front of everybody. In the refrigerator. <laughs> Anybody's that wor- Anybody who's ever worked any type of customer service or restaurant or even fast food or anything, you, you cry in the walk-in or in a storage. You don't cry out in front of everybody. I, I used to shrink behind the counter. I don't cry. I don't anymore. So, oh, okay. So... It was never an issue for me to go cry somewhere. But I know where, if you need to, that's where you go. I've hardened up. I'm a beast. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, let's get to some news. Um, So, a few weeks ago, we talked about the sale of Simon & Schuster and because all these companies, all the big publishing firms were going for them, and Penguin Random House ended up getting them. Remember mm-hmm. that? Okay, so uh, I got this from Jim Milliot from Publishers Weekly. We've had a couple of his uh, articles articles on here. So the Authors Guild, along with five other writing groups and a nonprofit Open Markets Institute, has sent a letter to the Department of Justice asking the government to block Penguin Random House's pending acquisition of Simon & Schuster. In asking for the DOJ to step in, the organizations framed the proposed acquisition as part of an ongoing consolidation within the entire publishing industry, including in the book-selling field, which is now dominated by Amazon, that the letter writers say has gone too far. Quote, The time has also come to recognize that simply blocking takeovers is no longer sufficient. The Department of Justice must begin today to proactively restructure the entire U.S. market for books in ways that also deal with the danger posed by Amazon. In addition to the Guild, the letter is signed by representatives from the Romance Writers of America, the National Writers Union, Sisters in Crime, Western Writers of America, and Horror Writers of and the Horror Writers Association. 
Penguin Random House believes its purchase of Simon & Schuster is in the long-term best interest of the book publishing. Of book publishing. Bertelsmann, uh, Penguin Random House's parent company, has long had an interest in the book business and has spent billions growing its presence in the U.S. The $2.2 billion Bertelsmann Penguin Random House has agreed to pay for Simon & Schuster is the company's biggest bet yet on the U.S. book market. Penguin Random House executives argue that once Viacom CBS puts Simon & Schuster up for... Once Viacom CBS put Simon & Schuster up for sale in the spring, the odds were good that the trade publishing industry was in for another round of consolidation and that Penguin Random House is the best is best positioned to implement a smooth transition. Pending approval by regulators, the deal is expected to to be completed sometime this year. I stood when when I heard they were buying it, I made it known that I hated that deal. We have you have what four or five huge publishing houses and then Amazon. And now one of the huge, one of the biggest is buying another one of the biggest, making it a huge, uh, an even bigger conglomerate. Yes, and that's, you're well on your way to a fucking monopoly. That's you know merging with Amazon solely to sell their books. Yeah, which we covered a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I I don't like it. Um, Simon Schuster wants to get sold. They're going to get sold to somebody. It's probably going to be Penguin Random House. They're just gonna have to. I don't know. Department of Justice will make them break it up into something smaller, or you know, whatever they do. I was from the beginning. I said I I don't like this. This is gonna be this is gonna be bad for lesser known independent publishers and lesser known independent authors. But I mean, it's gonna be good for the people who publish with the Amazon, though. Well, it'll be good for people who publish with Simon and Schuster and and Penguin Random House. No, I mean, I don't think it's good. It'll be good for Simon and Schu- people who publish with Simon and Schuster. It's not going to really affect those who already publish with random. Well, yeah, I don't. Okay, so I don't. I guess I don't know exactly how it'll affect the people who are publishing. It'll be bad for people who aren't publishing with them because yeah. they are going to have all the means to push their books anywhere they fucking want to. Not that they don't already. But no, but it's going to make even the big bookstore. The well, there's only two big bookstores anymore because Borden's and uh, Warrens and and uh, Borders. You yeah, said Borders. Borders. Yeah, you I combined the Borden's two. and Warders. <laughs> but uh, Warden's books and Borders. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we only have BAM and Barnes & Noble, Books A Million and Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two giant bookstores anymore that, and they're well, going to probably... Brick and mortar <laughs> bookstores. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're probably going to end up becoming independent bookstores. No, I think they have enough deals with enough big publishers that I, especially Borders, maybe, or Barnes, <laughs> especially Barnes and Noble, maybe not Books a Million. I don't. Well, I, mean, I don't know what their pro- portfolio. Remember looks when like they only finances. used to sell books, and now they sell games and pops, and they the Barnes and Noble. Yeah, 
I've been going to Barnes and Noble for years. They've always sold a bunch of different shit. They've always, to... they've always tried to make it because because you go in with your kids and you get a book and then you get your kids a book and maybe a toy and then you go sit down in a little cafe and you read and you know whatever. I knew they always had the cafe, but I mean, like they had book stuff. I'm not talking about pops. I'm not talking about the board games. I'm not talking about the nerd memorabilia. They still got books though. I'm talking about like, yeah, they had journals, they had pins, they had bookmarks, they had like the little desks and stuff and the totes and shit. But now they have like... But they still have all that shit. Yeah, but they they also have a huge section for nerd culture. Well, because that's a lot... You have to adapt with the times. And a lot of what's getting more popular now, which wasn't popular when we were kids... When we were real young kids, it was nerdy to be a nerd. It wasn't the cool thing to be a geek or a nerd and be into all that shit. And now that's what people do. People are into that shit. And oh, in comic books. They didn't really have a lot of comic books back in the day. Didn't, there was a certain type of person that read comic books when when we were kids in the early 90s. Most people didn't read comic books, and if you did, you weren't vocal about it. People like me read fucking comic books, and that I wasn't a popular person. I got comic books from the grocery store. That's how old I am. Yeah, me too. When they were like a quarter, they were on the little thing that spun, and you spin around. Yeah, I know. Me too. Nobody else bought comic books because that was the nerdy thing to do. So they didn't sell them at Borders and Warrens. They they sold them at Walden's. Walden's. I'm sorry. Uh, they sold them at comic book stores and grocery stores, and you were a certain type of person if you got those. You were a dork, you were a geek, you were a nerd, and nobody wanted to hang out with you. Luckily, I don't like people, so it didn't bother me all that much. It didn't bother me either. They were a quarter apiece. But they were fucking awesome. they're selling that stuff now because the same person who's going rah-rah on fucking Sundays watching football or you're watching basketball or you're going out and partying all jocking it up, you're also in the fucking comic book section of Barnes & Noble picking up the new fucking graphic novel, going home and watching Dragon Ball Z and One Piece. Well, because... <clears throat> times of things have changed i i was going through my memories and i thought this was funny because i i brought it up all the football players baseball or not football players football watchers mm-hmm. and you know you're you're buying the jerseys you're buying the baseball cards and all this other shit sports teams are fandoms just like star wars harry potter and all that yeah so if you're going to make fun of someone who likes Star Wars, make fun of yourself because your love of a football team is a fandom as well. But see, that's the thing. Most people don't make fun of that stuff anymore. At least not what I've seen anymore because everybody, everybody's kind of just gotten into it. It's become a huge part of pop culture. No, The reason I made that post, though, is because it's the, the sporty people who make fun of the geeks and nerds and i'm saying no you are a geek and nerd too because your shit is just as much as a fandom as me liking harry potter yeah 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 okay that's what i'm saying is most of the people that are into the sports shit the jocks the you know the bros whatever you want to fucking call them they're into all the other stuff that everybody else is into as well because it's a huge part of pop culture. Comic books, comic book movies, Star Wars. Mate, I don't know if I want to throw Star Trek into there because that's still kind of a... 
if you see somebody, you know, with a lightsaber, it's like, oh, cool, lightsaber. But if you see somebody in a Star Trek uniform, you're like, you're a fucking nerd. So, I don't know if I'd throw them quite into it, but I could be real. Yell at me if I'm wrong. But all the same people that are liking, that like the sports or, or which I, I'd say like the sports. I love sports. I watch football and baseball and soccer, not basketball, hockey. Um, but the people that, that used to rag on us when we were kids about liking all this quote unquote geeky, nerdy stuff, they, those are the kids who like that shit now. You yeah, have, but they're not playing Dungeons and Dragons. They're not playing Magic the Gathering. More of them are now. A lot more of them are now. Not, again. Not the adults, the kids. I'm talking about the kids. Oh, yeah. I was going to say adults aren't. No, the, well, no, because you get into your groove and you like what you like and you grow up liking what you like and you rarely change. So, yeah, people our age who hated that stuff still fucking hate that stuff and, you know, fuck them. They're losers. But I'm talking about the kids growing up. You have to, ad- companies like Barnes & Noble and Books A Million have to adapt and change with the times. And that's Barnes & Noble have done a really good job of doing that. They offer all the stuff. They offer board games. They offer um, the D&D or whatever else that you're into, the, the Pop Funkos. They got the novelty shirts you can get now. They got stuff on CD. They they got a whole kids section. They got the cafe. They've adapted. They got comic books and manga and graphic novels right over there, but the fantasy shit. Now, is it is it to my standards with comic books and graphic? No, I if I want comic books, graphic novels, I'm going to the fucking comic book store because they have, you know, the selection that I'm looking for. But they they have made a big adjustment to how they do stuff, and that's something I don't think the other two did. No, that's probably well. why they went out of business. Well, that and half the time you saw them, they were inside a fucking mall. Yeah. We had one of each in the mall over by us, and one one was right underneath the other. And malls are dying. So any all the stores that were attached to malls are also dying. Hence... They both went out of business. See, I liked it was Borders. Borders was my favorite because they, I mean, I guess Walden's may have done it too, but Borders, I was looking for a series and they didn't have it in stock. They ordered it for me and got it cheap. Every bookstore will order you a book. It all depends on what the book is and how much it's originally going to cost. It was the Face on the Milk Curtain series. Okay. Um, And that was probably just a cheap book. No. Because they're not going to get it for you and be like, oh, it's a special price. That they, They're going to sell it to you whatever the price it would be for them to sell the book. So if they got it at that price, any one of the other major stores would have probably had it at the same price unless they had a special going on. Now, your independent bookstores would have jacked up the price a little bit because they're independent bookstores. They don't have the liquid that Borders has had. But you would have got the same price at Barnes & Noble. I almost guarantee it. I went and I went there once looking for a Wisconsin death trip, and they didn't have it, so I walked out. I used to go there all the time because both of those stores sold Playboys, and uh, so that's where I would go to buy Playboys. <laughs> but they don't sell those at uh, Barnes and Noble or Books a Million. So 
and I don't feel like being the sketchy guy standing inside a uh, a gas station looking at the magazine rack. So, you know, whatever. And uh, you don't need those magazines? I do not need those magazines. Nor do I want those magazines. I was going to say. I had, my f- I, I had my fill long ago, and now we are moving on to our next story because I'm getting looks. Yes. Okay, so... Our, our our last story is uh, just something fun. From Hannah Herrera Greenspan from Chicago Tribune, Merriam-Webster, United States' leading language provider, announced it has added over 520 new words and definitions to the publisher's website. Some of these words include COVID-19, second gentleman, long hauler, flex, ASMR, and sapiosexual. Now, before the pandemic, long hauler was defined as a person or vehicle that travels long distances, but it now has an additional definition, a person who experiences one or more long-term effects following the initial improvement or recovery from a serious illness, such as COVID-19. ASMR, or Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, means a pleasant tingling sensation that originates on the back of the scalp and often spreads to the neck or upper spine that occurs in some people in response to a stimulus, such as a particular kind of sound or movement, and that tend to have a calming effect. Those are huge videos on YouTube now. I personally cannot stand them. Because to me, it it always sounds like just that low, that, that, that real quiet chewing that somebody's making while you're trying to eat. And you just want to punch him in the mouth. Not you, but I had that problem with my dad a lot. He'd sit there and he'd... Like, mm, I love you. I love you. I'm gonna, I gotta go. I love... I gotta go. Uh, second gentleman. Obviously, because uh, we've never had a second gentleman before. Or a first gentleman. But now that uh, we have a female vice president, we have a male who is in the White House and not vice president, which is kind of nice. It's excellent. So, obviously, that's where second gentleman comes from. And flex usually means to bend, but now it is also defined as to talk in a boastful, aggressive way. Showing your flex. Yeah, don't flex at me. Yeah. And say... Sapiosexual refers to a romantic attraction to highly intelligent people. I guess that's what I am. Now, you may ask, but Kevin, how does a word get put into a dictionary? And I would say, well, in order for a word to be considered for entry into the dictionary, lexicographers, a person who compiles dictionaries, have to have evidence that shows the word really is an established member of the language. What? Lexiographers. L-E-X-I-C-O-G-R-A-P-H-E-R-S. Lexicographers. That's not what you said. That's not what you said. I said lexicographers. Lexicographers. You said lexicographers. Lexicographers? Is it a long O or a short O? It's lexicographers. Because it's lexicon... Okay, fine. Lexicographer. 
That's me flex. Okay. Oh, nice. See, that's what we call in the business as a callback, kids. Uh, so lexicographers, correct? Yes. Thank you. All right. Is a person who compiles dictionaries. Uh, they have to have evidence that shows the word really is an established member of the language. For that to be the case, they look to see that a word is widely used, but in a wide variety of texts by a wide variety of people over an extensive period of time. They want the use of the word to demonstrate that there's an established meaning. Lexicographers don't only look at published, edited texts, nor do they create new words out of thin air. Rather, they observe and report on language. For instance, the word yeet. It has gained popularity and use over the last couple of years, but its meaning is unclear, which is why it is not qualified for entry into the dictionary. It can mean various different things to various different people. Now, I asked for entries that weren't added in this latest update. Word nerds should check out Merriam-Webster's Words We're Watching, a series of articles on words they are seeing more but haven't yet met their criteria for inclusion. Okay, one of my favorite things about the English language and why I wanted to pursue a career in English and further, you know, my education is because of linguistics. The lexicon of language is ever-evolving. Do lexicon. Okay, now I see. I just said that to you. <laughs> I wasn't listening to you. I was reading. The lexicon of language is ever-evolving. Linguistics is evolving. Do I like the new words that my kids are bringing home and using? No. No, but our parents didn't like the word. Fat, the... fat is spelled with an F, not a PH. I'm sorry. That's what my parents thought. Yeah. I didn't really use lingo that much. I mean, there are some times that I, I, I speak kind of ghetto. Um, but that's because of all the rap music I used to listen to. Okay. But, I mean, if I'm if I'm speaking to someone or if I'm writing a letter or if I'm on the phone, my English is proper as fuck. <laughs> Don't laugh at my flavor words. I mean, but if... If I'm just talking to the kids, I'll throw in some yo's and this and that and shit. But, you know, I one of my kids called me a bro one time. Um, I've heard them say yeet. I, my oldest son, he says some off-the-wall shit sometimes. I have no idea what he's fucking talking about. Your oldest son is a different conversation. I don't I don't know what he's taught he he said something the other oh he said uh weeb I was like is that supposed to be dweeb or he called his sister a weeb I was like is is that supposed to be noob because noob is new weebles wobble they don't fall down right I was thinking of that I was like what the fuck is a weeb w-e-e-b I'm guessing I have no idea what a weeb is (laughs) like is that supposed to be a bad thing that you're calling your sister a weeb? If, okay, so if he said it to her, it's bad. I'm guessing so, but because I still he's don't. Never said a nice thing to her. <laughs> I in, don't know what lives. a weeb is, so it has to be bad. But I mean, I may not like these words. I don't like the syntax of a. I don't. I don't like them. But I love how words are 
I hate new things. I don't like change. I do like that words evolve and cultures change how people speak. And, you know, eventually we're all going to speak like this. I mean, as long as they don't start putting text talk stuff in there. Lol. I don't say lol. I say LOL. And you're the one who hated that. You've always hated that. I did, but I do put LOL or LMAFAO or um, those are the only ones I use, though. I don't say shake my head. I don't do be right back. I don't do I don't do some of that other stuff. I just do LOL or laugh my ass off or laugh my fucking ass off. Okay. Well, that's as far as I go. Well, there it is. There's just some of the words that are being put onto. It says their their website. I'm guessing it'll be a while before they go into the actual dictionary because they have to print out new dictionaries and add stuff all the time. So it's 520 new words. Go ahead, go to MerriamWebster.com and and look up all the new words. I'm sure they have them in there. So let's get to our four books of the week because we are running long. Yeah, sorry, I'm talkative. You are, which is fine. I love it when you're talkative. I took medicine. <laughs> legal medicine. Well, it's all legal. Okay. Everything I take is legal. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by our brand new exclusive discount code for thebeardstruggle.com. Gentlemen, have you grown out that beard? Or are you just starting? Well, if you're like me, you began to notice pretty quickly that the skin underneath all that hair can get pretty dry and flaky. And trust me when I tell you, beard dandruff sucks. And the people over the beard struggle know this and have made it their life's work to develop the best products to make growing and keeping that beard as painless as possible. Over time, the ingredients in their formulas have proven themselves, not just because their customers have had enormous success with them, but because they have worked for centuries. They use 100% natural ingredients, never test on animals, and promise a 90-day money-back guarantee. From the day and night oils, the shampoos and conditioners, all the way to the ingenious beard straightener. They have everything you need to tame that face fur, and I use them. My beard has never looked, felt, or smelled better. Just ask my wife. So go to thebeardstruggle.com, all one word, or click on our link in the show notes, and use our new exclusive discount code, AUDIO15, at checkout for 15% off. That's A-U-D-I-O-1-5 for 15% off your entire order. Go now and feast your face. All right, so our fiction book of the week is The Sanatorium by Sarah Peirce. Half hidden away by forest and overshadowed by threatening peaks, Les Sommets has always been a sinister place, long plagued by troubling rumors. The former abandoned sanatorium has since been re- renovated into a five-star minimalist hotel. An imposing, isolated getaway spot up in the Swiss Alps is the last place Ellen Warner wants to be. But Ellen's taken time off from her job as a detective, so when her entranced brother Isaac and his fiance Lori invite her to celebrate their engagement at the hotel, Ellen really has no reason not to accept. Arriving in the midst of a threatening storm, Ellen immediately feels on edge. There's something about the hotel that makes her nervous. And when they wake the following morning to discover Lori is missing, Ellen must trust her instinct if they hope to find her. With the storm closing off all access to the hotel, the longer Lori stays missing, the more the remaining guests start to panic. 
Ellen is under pressure to find Lori, but no one has realized yet that another woman has gone missing, and she's the only one who could have warned them just how much danger they're all in. From Pamela Dorman Books, February 2021, 400 pages. You had me at Sinister. <laughs> What's the name of it? Sanator- the Sanatorium. Let's see what the release date is. I think it, I, I believe it is the middle of February. I could be wrong. It doesn't happen often, but you know every once in a while. Mostly when I'm pronouncing words, apparently. You said it was by Sarah Pierce? Yes. P-E-A-R-S-E. Does it look like this? It does. That is it. It is available now. Is it available now? Yes. I couldn't remember which ones have already come out and which ones are getting ready to come out, but all uh, every book that we're talking about is either ready for pre-order or out already. Add it to cart. <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, wait. Can you hear? My money just flew out the window. <laughs> <laughs> our money. We are married. It's funny when it's the money that I make, it's our money. But when it's the money that you make, it's your money. It could be drugs. Anything could be. What the fuck are you talking about? It could be. What could be drugs? The book? The money. I could be spending it on drugs. Oh, I was like, it could be drugs. Sure. What? You could be. I don't. I don't know why you would, but. You could be. It's just a few books here and there. Uh, a few books here and there. Okay, our nonfiction book of the week. And this one's kind of controversial. I've seen a lot. I, I looked him up. And um, so there's a lot of controversy behind this one. I guess it depends on what you believe. Extraterrestrial, the first sign of intelligent life beyond Earth by Avi Loeb. I believe his first name is actually Abraham. And Avi's like his middle name. In late 2017, scientists at a Hawaiian observatory glimpsed an object soaring through our inner solar system, moving so quickly that it could only have come from another star. Avi Loeb, Harvard's, Harvard's top astronomer, showed it was not an asteroid. It was moving too fast along a strange orbit and left no trail or gas or debris in its wake. There was only one conceivable explanation. The object was a piece of advanced technology created by a distant alien civilization. In Extraterrestrial, Loeb takes readers inside the thrilling story of the first interstellar visitors to, the, to be spotted in our solar system. He outlines his controversial theory and its profound implications for science, for religion, and for the future of our species and our planet, a mind-bending journey through the furthest reaches of science, space-time, and the human imagination. Extraterrestrial challenges readers to aim for the stars and to think critically about what's out there, no matter how strange it seems. From Hofton Mifflin, uh, it's already out, January 2021, 240 pages. Hofton Mifflin, don't they write, like, school books? They write a lot of school books, yes. Huh. They are part of a hardcore hardcore brace that we talked about in uh, Flannery Mm O'Connor. They are part of that. They do a lot of school books. Yeah, when I went to the, because I couldn't find a, a Twitter for him, so I looked up them to put for his contact information, because you can email him through there. And uh, 90% of what I saw was educational material, which this is technically educational material. It's nonfiction, and it's by a Harvard professor. So That's awesome. Uh, or a Harvard astronomer. Um, 
But there's a lot of controversy around. A lot of people are saying that he's just trying to make a buck, which he's a Harvard astronomer. I don't think that doesn't seem right to me. There's been a lot of stuff come out since um, they've since the CIA and the government has declassified a lot of things, and there's been a lot of stuff come out that people can't explain. A lot of videos that that video a while back that was released by the Navy and by the Air Force that it's. The pilots can't explain what they saw. It's something that's there, and all of a sudden it just shoots off like a fucking light. I would be for I would be willing to believe in aliens much sooner than I'd be willing to and believe UFO in UFO. Doesn't necessarily mean alien. It just means unidentified flying object. Okay, well I'd be much willing to believe in aliens before ghosts and angels and demons and all this stuff because, again, saying that there's no life anywhere else in the universe is like. Going to the ocean, taking a thimble, dipping it in the water, and going, look, there's no whales in the ocean. There's none in my thimble. We are a very, very small, secluded part of the universe. The universe is gigantic, like, bigger than you can fathom. Yes, I know. So the thought that there's nothing else out there, to me, is a little ridiculous. I believe in aliens. Now, whether or not they've come here, that might be a stretch. That I don't know. I think they drive by and see that the world's fucked up and say, eh, maybe not today. When I think of aliens coming, finding a new place to live, I think of National Lampoon's vacation where they're driving past. They go, oh, roll them up, kids. (laughs) And they just keep going because they want to come here. They don't want to come here. We we fight about which religion is most peaceful. (laughs) The first thing we would do is kill them. Oh, Oh, we would shoot them out of the sky, take them to a research facility, and cut their fucking heads open. Yeah. Ooh, what's this doing? They start poking at stuff, and then and then obviously try to do like Transformers, take whatever tech we can and use it to kill people. Yeah, uh, a mixture between Independence Day and Transformers. Unless it's like Mars Attacks, and then we all die. (laughs) Yeah. Because, which is. Or war it's the what world. we it's what we would do. Thank you. It's what we would do if we went to a new world and there was people there. We would just start murdering them because it's what we do. And if you think that's wrong that we don't do that, look at any time anybody has found anything ever. Yep. Well, enough of the good feelings. Our children's book today, Ground Zero by Alan Gratz. September 11th, 2001, New York City. Brandon is visiting his dad at work on the 107th floor of the World Trade Center. Out of nowhere, an airplane slams into the tower, creating a fiery nightmare of terror and confusion. And Brandon is in the middle of it all. Can he survive and escape? September 11th, 2019, Afghanistan. Rishmina has grown up in the shadow of war, but she dreams of peace and progress. When a battle erupts in her village, Rishmina stumbles upon a wounded American soldier named Taz. Should she help Taz and put herself and her family in mortal danger? Two kids, one devastating day, nothing will ever be the same. From Scholastic Press, out February 2021, 336 pages, ages 8 to 12. That's very mature content for an 8 to 12 year old, but better to learn it young than not learn it at all. Yeah, and 
I mean, I know our school teaches about um, September 11th. Well, I would hope. But this isn't just sep- this isn't just September 11, 2001. This isn't just covering that day. It's also covering September 11, 2019 with a young, I'm guessing, Muslim girl who lives in Afghanistan who's trying to live through the horrible war that ensued because ens- of 9/11. Because, yeah. So I yeah, think that's... it's it's, an, uh, it's a very interesting take on a very specific day. Uh, bent for kids. Yeah, I like that because it's showing different perspectives from different parts of the world. Yeah. And I think kids need to, to see I bet a Democrat wrote that. I would I would imagine since uh, she lives in the shadow of war and she's trying to help the soldier and not kill him. Yes. Then, yeah, it's probably, I, I would imagine, again, I will tweet him and, and he will tell us whether or not uh, yes, I I am a Democrat, or you, dirty fucking liberals. <laughs> uh, we'll get we'll get one or the other, maybe both. Who knows? But or we'll... maybe he won't answer that because you know people keep their political opinions to themselves. I have more respect for people who who speak up, but if that's something that he chooses to do, then I completely understand. You don't want to, you know, cut your nose off spite your face. Well, no, because I mean, if he lets that out, then you know he may lose some readers and stuff and i completely understand that you know keeping a neutral ground to appease people a lot of authors have to do that because you know once you come out as something then you lose some followers you know what you should have uh advised jk rowling on some things (laughs) you know when she came out as that she said she had a a ton of transgender friends and not anymore you don't (laughs) Okay, let's get to our why the you, you, what you look forward to the most. Our YA novel of the week, a complicated love story set in space, <laughs> by Sean David Hutchinson. When Noah closes his eyes on Earth and wakes up on a spaceship called Curiosity, Curiosity spelled with a Q, by the way, just as it about just as it's about to explode, he's pretty sure things can't get much weirder. Boy, is he wrong. Trapped aboard Curiosity are also DJ and Jenny, neither of whom remember how they got on board the ship. Together, the three face all the dangers of the, of space, along with murder, aliens, a school dance, and one really, really bad day. But none of this can prepare Noah for the biggest challenge, falling in love. And as Noah's feelings for DJ deepen, he has to contend not just with the challenges of the present, but also with his memories of the past. However, nothing is what it seems on Curiosity, and the truth will upend all of their lives forever. Love is complicated enough without trying to stay alive. From Simon & Schuster Books for Young Readers, it is already out. 464 pages, ages 13 and up. What is the name of it? A complicated love story set in space. Because I tried to look up Noah Hutchins and it didn't bring up anything. No. Noah is the name of the character. Sean David Hutchinson is the author. Oh. I love, see, when I'm picking out the YA books, I love to pick out the, like, the the, the odder, quirky ones. The ones that kind of do stuff that you, you haven't really seen before. So, obviously, this one just kind of popped out at me. You see it? Yeah. That's an interesting 
It's a popcorn. I know. That's one of the reasons I, I was like, ooh, popcorn. If there's popcorn, I'm going for it. Oh, yeah. You love popcorn. Yeah. I like that book cover. Well, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. But again, a lot of the times I pick books on here by the cover. and But, no. Ooh, and Noah spelled N-O-A. Uh-huh. I and like curiosity that. is Q-R-I-O-S-I-T-Y. I think it's curiosity. I think it's curiosity. Curiosity. Maybe, yeah. And it's two boys, and you don't see that very often. You're seeing it a lot more. Well, are we sure DJ's a boy? It says, um, this is product description. Black Mirror meets What If It's Us mm -hmm. in this gripping, romantic, and wildly surprising novel about two boys lost in space trying to find their way home while falling in love from the critically acclaimed author of We Are the Ants. Okay, usually I skip over that little part. That way I just get to the regular synopsis so I didn't see that part. But we're seeing that type of thing more and more. Uh, we've covered a lot of uh, novels that cover the LBGTQ plus community. So we're seeing a lot of more. So people, you know, if that's not something you're comfortable with, I would get comfortable with it real quick because it's good. you're going to see it a lot. Yeah, and it was published in January. Yeah, I just said that. Yeah. By Simon and Schuster. Yeah. I added it to the cart. Oh, did you add it to the cart? Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> what? <sighs> hopefully, hopefully you don't press buy on any of that stuff until after we have, you know, stimulus check or uh, tax refund check or something, because I'm going to be broke by the time you get done buying all the fucking books that you keep telling me you want. Thank you. Your order has been placed. God damn you. <laughs> Put the fucking phone that down. Two books. I haven't bought a book in over a month. Poor you. Sitting there with her brand new nails. I got my nails done like two weeks ago. No, but you keep buying those fucking sticky things. I bought two orders of Color Street. One with our account and one with mine. See, there it is. There it is. Our money and your money, you fucker. And I, I do believe I got my nails done with my account, too. <sighs> Would you still... <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Give everybody our socials so I can turn this thing off. Okay. We are on Twitter and Instagram at openafingbook. I am at ECJBAT. Kevin is at youngetam6 on one of them and youngetam <laughs> on the other. <laughs> you know what? Just guess. Just <laughs> go on there and guess which one it is. Young ETAM uh, six, on, six Twitter. on Twitter, Young ETAM on Instagram. Again, you don't need to go look at look for me in either one of those because I don't do anything on either one of them. Email us at openafingbook at gmail.com if there's any books you want us to cover, any authors you want us to cover, any news that you want us to talk about, or just to you know, generally shoot the shit. Uh, Stephanie, all the Goodreads that are going on. Goodreads.com slash openafingbook. Goodreads.com slash ECJBAT. Which we have the link up to on all of our show notes. Go to Patreon, patreon.com slash openafingbook uh, to donate to us. And you know what? If Patreon, doing a monthly donation is a little bit too much for you, you want to help out, but you don't want to be stuck in a monthly commitment, we just signed on with Buy Me a Coffee. So go to buymeacoffee.com slash openafingbook and you can you can buy us a coffee. They have the they have the the option of, of uh beer, pizza, or book. And I almost picked book, but I just fucking left with a coffee for now and, and I'll maybe change it later. I like coffee. I know you do. I uh, just started drinking it like a few months yes, ago and I love it. You got to your thirties and you decided you wanted to start drinking coffee. 
Yes. Yeah. I love coffee. So you, uh, yeah, go buymeacoffee.com slash open a effing book and, you know, buy us a coffee. Uh, come back for our Monday show. Um, we're starting a, a new series on Monday. Uh, yeah, a new author series on Monday. So come listen to that, please. Rate and review us wherever you listen. Follow, subscribe, whatever, you know, wherever. All the platforms were, were on them, including uh, Audible. If that's, Woo-hoo. yeah, big us. Uh, go to your local library and your local bookstore. Volunteer and help out. Buy a book from a local independent author from a local independent bookstore if you can. Otherwise, I guess order it on Amazon if you have to. If you can't get to a bookstore, at least the author's getting paid. But we really want to help take care of the of the local independent bookstores. Yeah, I just ordered are. on Amazon because I was too lazy to look up the books on the bookstore I usually buy from. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, look at the show notes. You can get... Uh, information on the authors that we talked about the books that we talked about and the news stories that we talked about and uh that's it that's that's all i got literally it says end okay so i guess i'll have to end okay okay Okay. well take care of yourselves and take care of one another between now and the time we get to talk to you again do yourself a favor happy black history month yes and then what are they supposed to do go for the fucking book all right we'll see it bye guys I'm a beast.